you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Bibles and turn to First Thessalonians. Welcome to Living Streams Community Church. I'm Pastor Greg Rubel. So very glad to see your faces. You know, I haven't done this since last year. <laughs> Seems like forever. So I'm really glad to be here. I'm really glad you're here, and I'm really glad you're out there online. Thankful for you following along, joining in uh, this morning. Um, if you've guys got prayer requests, use those cards in your seats. You can fill those out, put them in the offering box. If you're online, there's a button on our homepage. You can click connect here and let us know you're out there and uh, send us your prayer requests as well. You can also get hooked into our weekly email. It's important to get information these days. So if you'd like that, let me know and I'll put you on there. I mentioned in that weekly email that we need a little more help on Sunday morning. Our nursery needs some volunteers uh, to to serve. Uh, we've got a, a couple of customers every Sunday, I think, and then our children's church, our elementary class, also has uh, in need of some help. So not always uh, have customers for that one, but um, we've got some good troops, but they're carrying a big load, and so you guys can make that lighter if you want to do any of those things. Oh, also cleaning the church on Saturdays uh, if you're up for that once a month. Uh, we could use help there as well. So just let me know if any of those things sound like you could do those things. That would be very, very helpful to us. So, First Thessalonians, we started a new series last week called Next Level Living. This book is all about strength and hope. And I thought, boy, that's, those are two things that we really need right now for these days that we're living. So I got a message titled for you today, Where Do You Want to Go? So we're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 10. It'll take us through the rest of the chapter this morning. So let's just do that and get started. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love, in steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Acacia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Acacia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your word today. Um, what an example we get from the Thessalonian believers. And 
Paul's uh, thanksgiving for them and, and their witness. And um, Lord, we need to hear from you as you speak through Paul about the Thessalonians to us and where we're living and what our lives are like. And so we pray your Holy Spirit might be active right now in our hearts and among us as we hear the, the word preached. Uh, thank you, Lord, uh, for the way that you shepherd us, the way that you guide us in our lives, the way you speak to us and, uh, and lead us. Uh, you are such a faithful God and you love us so much and you have everything that we need. So I pray you would meet us right where we are, wherever we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week I got this magazine uh, here at the church. It's called uh, Bible Study. So I didn't have the heart to just throw it away right away because it had that title, you know, Bible Study. So I started leafing through it. And, you know, about the second page in, there's this travel ad. You know, it says Holy Land. And then I turn the page again and... And, and there's another one, and it says right in the middle, where do you want to go in 2021? And then right under that, it says, find out how pastors can travel for free. And that got my attention. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe someday, maybe someday we'll, we'll try to find out how pastors can travel uh, for free. But I don't know. It got me to thinking about travel brochures, you know, and those, those things that you see in those stands when, you, when you're driving on the interstate and you stop at a rest stop, you know, and they got this stand of all these things, these, these places you can go to go sightseeing, you know. And then inside those, they always have these great pictures of people having fun and doing things, you know. And then they always tell you about things you can experience if you go and do the things they're wanting you to do. And they always tell you what you can do, the activities that are there. So, you know, I, I put the, the magazine aside and the travel ad aside and I picked up Paul's words and I started reading this and I'm like, you know what? Paul's words have all of those things. There's all of those things. These words to his children in the Lord. There are pictures in here uh, of the next level. There are descriptions of experiences uh, on the next level. And there are activities to do on the next level. And so we're going to walk through this travel brochure that Paul gives us of the next level. And it's going to tell us what life will be like for a believer wanting to live a spiritual life in a physical world. So the first one, the first thing you got is some next level pictures. All right, next level pictures. In verses 2 and 3, uh, Paul, he's given his his friends there in Thessalonica that literary high five, you know, that I that I talked about last week. He's telling them how he's always thanking God for them. You know, he's always remembering how they're living out their faith before God. And he talks about their faith, their love, and their hope. All right, so that's that trifecta of ingredients that, that every believer is going to have if they want to live out life with God. Faith, love, and hope. And Paul mentions those together in other places, other letters in the New Testament, maybe the, the most popular, the most remembered is in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where he says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And the reason they go together is because they're, for a born-again follower of Jesus, you're going to have all three of those ingredients in your life, you know, in different measures. You know, it's not the same for everybody, and it's not going to be the same for you all the time. But they're always going to be there for every born-again believer. So the first one you get is a picture of faith. And, and Paul says it's a work of faith. And so it's something that is alive. It's something that you can, that you can see. 
It's the opposite of the kind of faith that James talks about in his letter. You know, faith, uh, where he says faith without works is dead. So it's not that kind of faith. This is a, a living faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a very concise definition of faith. It, it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So our faith will come alive in our life and start to work when we make decisions and then take actions based on who we believe God is and what we believe God does. Okay, that's how it, how it comes, comes alive. And how do you find that stuff out? Well, he tells us in his word who he is. He tells us. And then he, we have stories about what he has done in the past. And we can read about it every day. Uh, just any, any time of day, you know, you can take your Bible on your phone, pull it up. Any time of day, you can remind yourself who God is and what he has done. But the thing is, if we're just reading to inform ourselves, okay, that's really not faith. If we never act on it, it's never going to be a faith at, at work, a living faith. And you can, you can start with just the names of God. God calls himself different things in the Bible. And some of his names tell us who he is. And some of his names tell us what he does. And he's got a bunch of them. But if you just take three of them, like shepherd, healer, and protector. Okay, you take those three names, you can read about ways that God was his, God was a shepherd for his people and how he healed them and how he protected them. All, all three of those we've got stories about, about how he did that in the past. And see, our faith comes alive when we read those stories and then we go, I'm going to be able to walk into this scary situation because God is my shepherd. See, we can move, we can do things that are scary, fearful to us because God's with us and we believe he's our shepherd. And that's when our faith comes alive. When we get sick or when someone else gets sick and we go pray for them, to, for God to heal them, we're believing that God is our healer. You know, we're looking to him for healing. Or even putting ourselves at risk because we know that God will protect us. So all of those things bring our faith alive. We know up here he is shepherd, healer, protector. But when we start getting the rest of our body, we start moving because of those things. That's when people can see your faith. That is when it is a work of faith. Now, the next picture is of a labor of love. So, again, this is describing something that's alive. It's, it's active. It's an active kind of love. So it's moving from beyond just emotion, the feeling of love, it moves us to effort. You know, that's the, the picture that we're given. It's laborious, meaning it's not easy. Taking, it takes more strength and, and more energy and more time and, and more money. So it's a difficult kind of love. To, to live with that kind of love alive in your life, there's, there's a motivation for that. And, and that motivation is the love that we've been loved with. Okay? We love because he first loved us. That son of God became nothing when he put on human skin. You know, and then he came not to be served, but to serve. And he, he came looking for that one lost sheep. You know, that one lost sheep that's a pain. That, that, it, that doesn't deserve to be found. You know, that one lost sheep that keeps, keeps wandering off to those faraway places, keeps playing on the dangerous cliffs, 
keeps ignoring the shepherd's voice to come home, keeps wanting to go live out there under, outside under of God's care and protection. You know that one lost sheep, that sheep. And this shepherd, this good shepherd, he came and he laid down his life for that sheep. That sheep that keeps wandering off, who doesn't deserve to be saved. Why did he do it? So that sheep could be have life forever with him. And he would have done it if there was only one. I would have been that one. <clears throat> that's the kind of love that's motivating the Thessalonians to show laborious love in such a way that people could see it. Now, they might have been loving their enemies. You know, not fighting with them, not attacking them. Not defending themselves. Maybe they were loving their enemies. Maybe they were going into homes that religious people would never dare enter. You know, because they were Jews. And they wouldn't go into places that would cause them to be unclean. So here, maybe they were doing that. Maybe they were just serving people who were sick or had no place to live. People on the outside of society. Maybe they were doing that. It's really hard to say exactly what they were doing. But it's not hard to imagine kinds of ways that this laborious love could show up in their life. It's, it's love at the next level. That's the picture we get. Then there's a third picture. Paul gives us a picture of hope. And it's not just any hope. It's not it's like this wishy-washy hope that's saying, you know, I hope this snow gives us five inches, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's not that. It's a steadfast hope. It, it, it's an enduring hope. It, it's a kind of hope that goes beyond circumstances. You know, the difficult days that we experience or, or weeks that it's just not going our way. You know, it's the kind of hope that, you know, if it almost goes out at midnight, it comes back alive, you know, in the morning. Um, it's, the, it's the attitude that I am walking toward the, sun, the sunrise and not walking into the midnight. It's that kind of hope. Now, why, why is it that kind of hope? Because of where it's found. And Paul tells us it's, it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is found on the next level. And so because of him, my sins will not overtake me. Because of him, my weaknesses will not keep me from getting home. Because of him, my disappointments will, will get defeated because he knows there's good coming. He's going to bring good out of whatever happened. So all of those things fuel hope. He is faithful. He is true. He is alive. And he is with me. And he always will be, and so hope lives on no matter what life looks like. So these are next level pictures. Pictures for us to see, to be encouraged, to be enticed to go to the next level. And you know, you'll never get to the top level with your faith, love, and hope. You'll never get to the top. There's always more. There's always another level you can go to in your life with those things. You know, you, there, there's more faith that you can exercise. There's more sacrifice so that you can love more. There's more hope when it's renewed in Jesus every morning. In these, in these pandemic days, you know, it is possible. It is possible for us to go where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do. Because we believe he is our shepherd and he is our healer. And He is our protector. He is the one who unfreezes us from fear and gets us moving again if we'll have a work of faith. Don't be afraid. You've got a shepherd. You've got a healer. You've got a protector. Be faithful. 
And then, you know, you think about the laborious love. There always seems to be somebody difficult in my life that, you know, God wants me to love. I don't, is it, maybe it's just my life. But there, there's difficult people all the time. You know, people that are difficult to talk to. People that, that are difficult to reason with. People that are just selfish and self-centered. They rub me the wrong way. I would rather just stay away from them so I don't sin. But God calls me to love them. He calls me to love him with effort, this effort that he has loved me with. And that's exactly what happens. When I love people like that, when you love people like that, our ability, our capacity to understand how deep the Father's love for us is, it grows. You want to know how much God loves you? Start loving difficult people and you'll find out. <laughs> so, you know, many are of the opinion that our days today are getting darker, that they're getting more evil. And that, that is in our future as believers in this country, there's difficult days ahead. And I would not disagree with, with that assessment of our times. But I would just remind us that, that is, those are exactly the kind of days that our hope is made for. We've been living in special days, you know, in our country. And when it gets darker and when it gets more difficult, when it gets harder for us to be believers, that's normal for the church. And so we're just headed in to normal for us. Could your life be used in the travel brochure for the next level? Could somebody take a picture of your life and say, that's how to live a spiritual life in a fallen, physical world. That's what faith looks like. That's what Jesus' love looks like. That's what enduring hope looks like. Where do you want to go in 2021? Now, the brochure has more than pictures. Also describes what it's like. Things you'll experience. Paul tells us about some next level experiences in verses 4 in the first part of 5. He writes about three of them that the Thessalonians are experiencing. The first one is an identity experience. So you will know who you are on the next level. You will know who you are. Now, it is so important to know who you are. In Christ. Because your sins will tell you something else. You know, your, your sins will tell you that you're a failure. That you're unlovable because of your sins. And that you're not worthy of being loved because of your sins. And then our enemy steps in there and he starts saying, yeah, look at this evidence. You call yourself a Christian? You stink, man. And, and, you know, he starts talking and we start hearing that stuff. And then all of a sudden, we're living in defeat and failure. You know, I read just this morning an interesting fact. It's one of the tweeters I follow and they didn't get banned. Um, So so this one tweet, it's an interesting fact that the inner dialogue in our mind is is on average 6,000 words per minute. 6,000 words per minute. So you get caught in a cycle of sin and self-defeat. 6,000 times, every minute, you're telling yourself you stink. We need to know who we are. We need to have an identity experience in the Lord. Paul says, brothers and sisters, you are loved by God. 
and you are chosen by God. Now, Paul knows that because of what he, what he says next. But the identity experience happens when the Thessalonians come to know that they are loved by God and that they are chosen by him. So this is what conquers shame and insecurity in your life. It, 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 those cannot stand up to, to your new identity. This is what keeps you from hiding in the shadows so other people won't find out who you are. This is what enables us to take off our masks so people, you know, can see the real us. When we experience the new identity in Christ. We are, when we know that we are loved by God. And, and that's, a, I know, that's, that's a common thing. But you got to think about that. We are loved by God. He loves us. He loves me. He loves you. And the thing is, He knows everything about you that there is to know. And he still loves you. <laughs> and and, and like, it doesn't diminish. It doesn't get any less. And that, listen, that goes for every single one of his creation, believer or unbeliever. Because he is love. And he loves everybody. Did you know you're loved by God? Lots of verses... You know, we'll talk about that. One of my favorites is Zephaniah 3.17. He takes delight in you with gladness. With his love, he calms all your fears. He rejoices over you with joyful songs. You know, it's an identity experience when you can get a hold of this. It changes your life from trying to live to put a smile on God's face to living from the smile that's already there over you. Can you imagine that? Waking up today... And saying, God is smiling over me. I don't have to live that old way. I'm going to live like this. I'm going to go down this trail because of that. Because I am loved by God. That's an experience to get a hold of that. We need it every single day. The other thing is, Paul says that he knew they were chosen. They were chosen by God. <clears throat> and again, because of what, what happens next, which I'm going to get there. But this chosen business, this is a truth in the Bible that brings up all kinds of questions, all kinds of difficulties. And so I'm just going to tell you where I'm at, all right, about being chosen. I believe that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign. And that means that God is sovereign over everything, including salvation. All right, and I believe that the Bible teaches us that God chose some to believe and that means if he chose some to believe, that he also chose some not to believe. And he can make that choice not based on anything that we, have, we do, not by our merit, not because we deserve it, but because he is God. And he's able to do that. All right, those are things that I believe. They're constant for me. Now, we get into difficulty when we start thinking about, well, that's just not fair. How does that work? You know, that God chose some to believe and some not to believe. So we, we can struggle with that kind of, you know, that kind of thought. And we also get messed up when we start assuming who is chosen and who is not before they believe. Okay? So Paul says he knows who, that they were chosen because of how they received the gospel. Because of their belief. So I, I mentioned those things. There's more things, you know, to... to wrestle with when it comes to this doctrine of election, which is what we call this. Um, but 
I want you to just set the, the difficulties aside. And just for a moment, you can agree with me on God, God chooses believers because there's an identity experience that comes from this if you can set aside uh, the difficulties that you have. Fairness, listen to this, fairness would be that God punished all of us for our sins. I mean, the fact that anyone can believe and receive the gospel is God's grace to us. You know, because we all are guilty. So that would be fair if... You know, we all were punished for our sins. Um, here's what we know. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we will know who God chose by how they respond to the gospel. Okay? That's how we know. And we, we also know this, that God desires everyone to be saved. And all will continue to have a chance to believe as long as they have breath. And so just because somebody doesn't believe today doesn't mean they won't believe tomorrow. So we need to stop making choices and judgments about who's chosen and who's not chosen and get this down. That God, if if I'm a believer, God chose me. He chose me. And that doesn't make me any... And I have nothing to do with it. He chose me because He is God. And so when we believe in Christ, when Jesus, when we have that experience, we understand that God chose us. And that means that we belong to Him. We belong to Him. And if that's what that means, that means that He will not lose us. He will not lose us to our sins. He will not lose us to the enemy. He will not lose us to ourselves. So there is security in this identity that we are chosen. There's security in that. There is self-worth in that. There is humility in that. And there is gratitude in that. If we think about that. So, next level living means you're going to know who you are. You're going to have an identity experience. And it, it's not something you get one day and then you, it's an everyday kind of thing. You put on Christ. You put on the new clothes. You get rid of, get rid of the old. <clears throat> now Paul says he knows all that because of the way he received, because of the way they received the gospel. So they didn't just come to the synagogue one Saturday, you know, and oh, we got a guest speaker. You know, Paul's here from Philippi. He looks kind of battered and bruised because he got beat up there. But, you know, let's listen to what he has to say. And so he tells them about Jesus. You know, he tells them how the scriptures point to him. And the believers or, or the Jews are there. And they're just like, yeah, this sounds pretty good. Let's go home and have lunch. Let's go home and rest the rest of our Sabbath day. That's not what happened to the Thessalonian believers. They came to church. They came to the synagogue. And they heard about Jesus. And something happened in their heart. You know, something changed in there. They had a power experience. The Holy Spirit was at work when those words about Jesus came into their ears. Because those words didn't stop in their brain. They dropped down to their heart. And it ignited a fire that melted them into repentance for their sins. And they believed that Jesus Christ was alive. And they knew he'd been crucified. And they knew that. They they, they, here they are believing that he rose from the grave. 
from what Paul explains to them. So they experience the power of the Holy Spirit when they believe. And the Bible describes that that power, that it's a power that changes hearts from stone to flesh. You know, it it changes. Nothing we can do to do that in our lives. That happens to us. Um, There's a power that gives new vision to us, that causes people to write songs that says, I once was blind, but now I see. You know that song, right? We might sing something like that a little bit later. It's a power that transforms us from death to life. It's a power that translates us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. All of this is part of the power experience. Power experiences happen when you become a born-again believer. And that gives you a story to tell. A story that you can share with others about how that happens. And then it also gives you another experience that that goes beyond that. And that is a confidence experience. You get this confidence that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died to forgive you of your sins. And He removed them as far as the east is from the west from you. And he rose from the grave and is alive today and he's walking with you every single day. And you know that. And there is no scheme of man. There is no new idea. There is no new archaeological find, no new religion, no new professor who is ever going to be able to prove Jesus Christ an imposter or wrong or a legend. Because you know. Because you know him. You had a power experience, and it changed you. And now he's alive, walking with you in your life. That's how Paul described the Thessalonians. They had full conviction when they heard that gospel. Now they're looking back on it and what he describes, and they know who they are, they know how it happened, and no one can shake their faith. Now you might be thinking, you might be thinking, I don't have that kind of beginning with God. You know, you you might be thinking, I don't remember a day in my life that I didn't know Jesus or that I didn't believe in him. You know, you can't go on the calendar and go, this is the day that the gospel went from being just word to me to being life to me. And I want to tell you that is absolutely A-OK. Because life on the next level is not powered by you. It is powered by the Holy Spirit. And your confidence that you are God's, that you are loved by him and chosen by him to be part of his family, doesn't have to come from the day that it started. It can come from the day to day of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God gave us his Holy Spirit to help us follow Jesus. And so he shows up all the time. The Holy Spirit in your life is is the evidence that you need that you're saved. And he's the only evidence that you need, uh, that that your life is in good hands. Even if you don't know how your life got in those hands. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears witness, tells us with our spirit, that we are children of God. So there's a power experience with him. Now I do want to be a little bit careful about talking about next level experiences because there are churches that are out there that are all about experiences and the leadership is 
trying to work hard to give you an experience. And that can lead to some nonsense and foolishness. I am not trying to get you to pursue an experience. Okay? What you want to understand, though, is that salvation is an experience. And walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is an experience. Putting on the new identity in Christ is an experience. You know, He has given us this Holy Spirit to help us follow Jesus. And He does that by bearing fruit in our lives. You know, that fruit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so when, when the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit in you, chances are it's not going to be this wow experience. You might not even recognize it, but other people will. And that's big. So what you want to do is you want to put your efforts into pursuing God. Pursuing God and experiences will follow. You'll know who you are. You'll know the power of the Spirit in your life to help you follow Him. And you'll know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And He is alive today, walking with you. And nothing's going to, going to shake your faith. Where do you want to go in 2021? Now, every travel brochure will have activities for you to do. These In this magazine, talk about going to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem. You can go to the Jordan River and get baptized if you want to. You can go to the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed. You can go to the place where he was crucified. You know, Here's the activities to do to get the most out of your trip. Well, there's all sorts of activities here that Paul mentions as he closes out this chapter. Next level activities for us. Give us more details about the Thessalonians and what, and what they did. So at the end of verse 5, Paul says, You know what kind of men that we were among you for your sake. And then verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you received, you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So in there you can hear a learning activity that's going on. There's a a lot of learning that happens on the next level. Now in the church we know that is discipleship. Okay, that's where one person comes under another person to find out how they live their life with God. Okay, and when when you do that, um, you learn some things. You learn how to read and study the Bible. You learn how to pray. Uh, You learn how to pursue holiness and um, how to work with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to become a person who extends mercy to other people and how to be Jesus' hands, his feet, his voice, where we live, work, and move. Discipleship is the mission of the church, of any church. If you've got a church that's not trying to disciple people, it's not a church. I don't care if they have a cross on a steeple. It's not a church. Discipleship is the mission of the church, given to us by Jesus before he left and went to heaven. So every ministry that we have ought to have something to do with those things that I mentioned. Everything that we do ought to be connected to discipleship. Now, verse 7 explains what happens when you learn how to follow Jesus. You start leading others to do the same. Now, the Thessalonians were less than two years old in the Lord. Okay, They had been believers just two years And Paul says they had become an example for others to follow in Macedonia and Acacia, in their region 
uh, where they lived. Thessalonica was the capital city of Macedonia. And that was north of Acacia on the map. And Acacia is where Corinth is. And that's where Paul is when he writes the letter. And so the distance between the Thessalonians and where Paul is is roughly 350 miles, which is roughly here to the Georgia state line. So that's how far the word of what happened at the Thessalonian, in the Thessalonians' life, that's how far it spread by word of mouth. And that is really remarkable. Now, that might be a little surprising to us because these are new believers, you know, and they need to be taught. They need to, they need to, to learn. But listen, isn't it true that the interest of new believers, the, the eagerness, the passion, the conviction of new believers gives life to the old ones? Isn't that amazing? This discipleship thing works both ways. I mean, we think a lot about discipleship, I think, too much through a Greek lens of learning. You know, like there's a teacher giving facts to a class. You know, it's kind of the system of education that we grew, we grew up in. But in the Bible, it's a Hebrew system of education, which is all about relationship. And so really, for discipleship, it is more about who you know than it is about what you know. And a lot of us get stuck in our Christian life because we think we need to know more to lead anybody. But in reality, if we know Jesus, we know enough to lead someone else to him and show him how uh, to follow him. So discipleship is more about who you know than about what you know. Now, new believers, they need to learn. They need to learn a lot of things, but they're capable of leading others uh, to uh, even mature believers, back to some childlike faith, you know, back to some, some action in their lives. Like, you know, hey, I just picked this up, I read it, and I believed it, and I went in and I did it. You know, that kind of thing. You know, that's what new believers do. They're just dumb like that. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you laughed. You know, you know what I mean. So there's a lot of learning, a lot of leading activities going on on the next level. So where do you want to go? You want any of that? You want any of that in 2021? Verse 8 brings up another activity. Proclaiming. <clears throat> Proclaiming. Paul describes how the word of the Lord sounded forth from the Thessalonians all throughout Macedonia and Acacia and to the whole region. So now we're talking about even further. He says their faith in God had become known everywhere. So when Paul showed up, he didn't have to say anything because they already knew about what happened when Paul went to the Thessalonians and told them about Jesus and how they believed. So they already knew that. So word was spreading. And it's just amazing how God used that in their lives. This sounding forth thing, think of a trumpet blast. Or, or think of somebody on a loudspeaker making an announcement. So our faith in God, you know, we've, we've made it such a private thing in our world. But it is not meant to be a private thing. It's meant to be a public thing, and a public thing especially when somebody else doesn't have it. It's meant to go forth, and we shy away from this proclaiming activity in our lives. You know, we'll leave it to the experts, right? I'll just invite them to church. You know, they can hear about faith there. But not sharing your faith is going to stunt your growth in the Lord. It will keep you from going where God wants you to go. Verse 9 describes another activity, receiving. Now, I'm sure that there was suspicion when Paul showed up at the synagogue in Thessalonica. He spent three weeks there. 
He was reasoning with them about the scriptures, how they pointed to Jesus. I'm sure that there was suspicion. But some of them were open to the message. And some of them were close to it. Some of them received him. And some of them fought against him. So as believers in our life, we are going to spend our whole lives while we walk this earth receiving the word of God. It's, it's key to growing. It's key to going to the next level. Now, receiving the word is more than hearing it. It's more than hearing it. It's trusting the message that you're getting. It's believing that it has authority over you. This isn't just a word. This is God's word. So it has authority over us. And then there's following what it says. All of those things are about receiving it in your life. So this receiving activity for believers all the time, all the time, it's going to be happening. Verse 9 keeps going and tells us about a turning activity. Turning. Uh, In the Thessalonica, it was was, um, a place of a lot of different religions. It was was, uh, located on a major trade route. And so a lot of people, you know, started living there. And so they had a lot of different idols in their city. And so it says they received the gospel through Paul and believed in Jesus, which caused them to turn away from these idols and to true worship of the living God. You know, if you want to go to the next level, you have got to leave the old stuff behind. You can't mix the old and the new. It just doesn't work. And it's that way for our whole life, you know, as a believer. You know, we certainly see that at the beginning, you know, as we, as we first come to know the Lord, things change. Our friends change. The, the, the ways that we spend our Saturday night changes. You know, it all changes. But then as we keep going in the Lord, as we keep growing in Him, He gives us new opportunities. He gives us places to go. And we, we have to be willing to let go of the old to be able to go to the new. And so you turn from your sins and you turn from your idols and you turn to serving and worshiping the true and living God. So that turning happens at the beginning of your life with God, but it doesn't stop there. It keeps happening. So like learning for a believer is always going to be, you're always going to be a lifelong learner. Um, This turning is also going to be your whole life with God Um, as he reveals to you Um, through his word, through the power of the spirit, where you can be more like his son. Now, you might think, Pastor Gray, I I come to my house. I don't have any idols there. I'm not bowing down in the living room, you know, to to these idols. Well, our idols look different than their idols, okay? They look different. And Pastor uh, Kyle Adelman, he's a teaching pastor, and he wrote this book called Gods at War. Nine chapters describing idols that American Christians struggle with. Food and sex and entertainment. Success. Money. Achievement. Romance. Family. And self. All of those things are idols in our lives. And you know, it's really hard, I think, to... You know, to see, I'm, I'm an idol worshiper, to get there, to see that in, in your life. And, and, and so here's what I, I encourage you to do. Um, live a life of receiving the word of God 
instead of fighting against it. Trust the message that he tells us. Pursue him. And you'll turn away from idols. They'll become less important. There's another song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Keep turning to the true and living God and you'll find yourself serving him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. But you got to leave the old stuff behind. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Now, verse 10 uh, concludes the chapter and it mentions the last activity of waiting. A waiting activity. Now, the Thessalonians, they were doing life on the next level with God. I think we could all agree um, with that. They were doing that while their neighbors were making it hard for them to do that. In fact, they were making it dangerous for them to do that. From the beginning of their church, when Paul showed up there, the Jews organized against them. You know, so they took this guy named Jason, who was the one who was Paul's host, and he provided a meeting place for the church, Jason, The Jews dragged him to the city officials and they created this story that they were going against Caesar by proclaiming Jesus king. And that just reminds me that any time politics collides with our worship of Jesus, the church is going to suffer. So keep that in mind in the days that we're living. So in order for the Thessalonians to keep meeting, keep believing, learning, leading, proclaiming, receiving, turning, keep doing all of those things, they were going to have to do that against opposition from not a foreign enemy, from their neighbor. From their neighbor. Eighteen months after Paul was there, they were still doing it. And Paul is reminding them right here as he closes this chapter that their King Jesus, whom they cannot see, is going to come back. That he is alive. And they don't have to worry about their future. They don't have to worry about the wrath of God that's coming to judge the world because of sin. Because Jesus is going to save them from that. So waiting for Jesus is a next level activity. And in, in fact, it is a very good indicator at how well you're doing at worshiping Jesus in your day to day. Your waiting will tell you how well you're worshiping. See, the more you put into your worship of Him now, the greater your longing to see Him will be Now, the more you are serving Him, giving to Him, sacrificing for Him, persevering for Him, trusting Him, the greater your heartache is going to be to see His face, to hear His voice, to feel His embrace. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Hmm. If today was the day, capital D, 
if this was the day we were going to see him face to face, how would he find your life? How would he find you? How eager are you to receive this salvation that you are believing in? To see Jesus face to face. If you don't like the answer, it's time to go to another level. Where do you want to go? Let's have the worship team back up. So there's a lot in there. Where do you want to go in 2021? Spiritual lives of the Thessalonians are one big advertisement for next level living. We got pictures of faith, hope, and love that, that, that are alive. We've got experiences of identity and power and, and confidence. We got activities of learning and leading and proclaiming, receiving and turning and waiting for Jesus. And all of these things are ways in which God works in us and through us to grow us and to grow His His kingdom. Can you see the pictures in your life? Can you understand these experiences? Have you tasted them? Are you seeing these activities in your life? Where do you want to go in 2021? Or better yet, a better question is, where does God want you to go.